Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. All right, we're reading Matthew 3, verses 7 through 12. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit that is worthy of repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So John's still in the desert baptizing. All of Jerusalem and Judea is coming out to him into the desert to repent and to be baptized as preparation for the coming of the Lord, who is Jesus. And then we're introduced to these two other groups, these Pharisees and Sadducees. They're also coming out to see what John is doing. Uh, the easiest way to think of Pharisees and Sadducees is they are the Jewish leaders. They're like the pastors, the, the, the authority figures of the day. And obviously they're not received well. John calls them an offspring of snakes. You offspring of snakes, he says. Produce fruit that is worthy of repentance. The word worthy uh, is the Greek axion. It's where we get uh, the English word axiom from. So if something's axiomatic, it's, it's suitable, it's obvious, it's evident. So if this is an axiom for that, like this will produce that, like it just makes sense. Essentially what John is saying is, hey, if your identity has experienced this repentance, well then naturally a new way of life will emerge. That's axiomatic. It will naturally emerge, it will clearly emerge out of this repentance, this new way of thinking. But it hasn't for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's saying. And he goes a step further. He goes, don't think you can claim status as Abraham's progeny because God can raise up children for Abraham out of stones. What's the chief charge that John is levying upon the Pharisees and the Sadducees? It's simply this, it's hypocrisy. They're claiming an identity, Abraham's children, but their lives are not testifying to that identity. The fruit that their lives are producing is not self-evident to the status and the identity they're claiming. As Hauerwas writes, it is not what the Pharisees and Sadducees say that John is condemning. Rather, it is the inconsistency between their lives and what they commend. If you say you're a child of Abraham, this should be what your life looks like, but it doesn't. Instead, it looks like that. And therefore, this is hypocrisy. You deceptive snakes. You know, the application for a text like this is pretty blunt and pretty obvious. Whoever you are listening, what do you claim to be in your life? Like, what's your identity? And specifically, I assume if you're listening, you're... you're 
You're either a follower of Jesus or you're exploring it. So if you if you claim to be a follower of this Jesus, if you've been baptized into his name and received the first fruits of his spirit, the spirit of peace, the spirit of joy, the spirit of generosity and gentleness and grace and mercy and truth, if you've received that spirit, if this is the identity you claim, what is the fruit that's emerging out of your life? And that's not meant to provoke guilt because yes, we all are unable to live fully into this new identity. We're learning like Israel in the desert, what it means to take on this new identity. But we can do some self-assessment and say, hey, is it is it obvious that if we are claiming to be followers of Jesus, then do our lives reflect Jesus's life to a degree? How do I spend my time? Like, honestly, where do my hours go? What do I think about most often? Honestly, where are my thoughts directed? Are they full of worry? Are they full of fret? Are they full of envy? Are they full of comparison? Are they full of anger? Are they full of vengeance? Like, what are my thoughts? Where's my money going? Where am I spending my money? How much do I spend on myself versus how much is engaged in generosity toward others? How do I treat other people? Especially, how do I treat those whose society marginalizes? That's an important part of Jesus' identity. And his people, his, his church, um, is known by the way we treat those who are marginalized by society. What do I think about that? Are we quick to anger? Am I quick to forgive? What is the consistency between the identity you claim and the life you live? Lord, this is a tough, this is a tough message to hear. It's a, these are tough questions to ask, but we know we don't have to be afraid of asking them because the story is not that we have to get anything right. The story is that we turn our eyes upon you and we receive we are overwhelmed by your love and by your blood and we receive the grace and forgiveness in your sacrifice. And the story is that if we, if we yield to that, if we yield to you and we are baptized into your name and we receive your spirit, then we're enabled and empowered to start living into this new identity. And it's characterized by all these things that were just listed. So for the people listening, Lord, don't give them too much, but give them one thing. As you're listening right now and as you're praying, ask the Lord, what is one area of my life, Jesus, where my actions are inconsistent to my identity? What is, what is one simple step that you can give me um, where I can surrender to you and start living in a deeper way, start modeling that repentance, that change of thinking, um, that would be consistent to who I am as a follower of you. Reveal that, Lord. Reveal that. 
And then my prayer for my friends is that when you do reveal it, that you would also give them the courage to take, to take the step, to actually put it into practice, to live it out, to do it, to do it. And only you can do that, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.